This week on Run Astray, I'm going to be reading the 6th and 7th chapters of Exile by Shannon Messenger. Chapter 6 Sophie fidgeted with the satin sash of her emerald green dress and wondered for the tenth time if she should change. It felt wrong to visit a a cemetery in something other than black. But Adeline had told her the tradition was to wear green, the color of life. You look beautiful, Grady said as he peeked his head around the door to her bedroom. She smiled. You don't look too bad yourself. Thanks, but I truly hate these things. He tugged at his velvet green cloak as he stepped into her room. Whoever decided we should wear capes was an idiot. He didn't have to tell her. She'd hated the capes from the moment she'd seen her ridiculous school uniform with the stupid elbow-length monstrosity. But... Capes were the mark of the nobility, and even though Grady and Adeline had tried to separate themselves from that life, the council would never let Grady fully resign. His ability as a mesmer was too rare and important. Need help with yours? Grady offered. Sophie nodded, and he grabbed the silky green cape from where she'd left it on her bed. Grady draped it across her shoulders and gathered the ends at the base of her neck. She reached for the blue halcyon clasped she used for school, but Grady stopped her, holding a yellow diamond-encrusted eagle soaring with a ruby rose in its talons, identical to the brooch securing his own cape. The ruin crest, Sophie whispered as she as he pinned it through the, fa- the thin fabric. Her foxfire uniform bore the same seal over her heart, identifying her as part of Grady and Adeline's family, but having him give her the clasp, clasp especially considering the day, made her feel choked up. Grady cleared his throat. Are you sure you want to? I'm sure. They'd been going, they'd been doing this for 16 years. She wasn't going to let them do it alone anymore. Unless, do you not want me to go? We always want you to go with us, Sophie. I'm just afraid you don't realize how hard this will be. She reached for his hand, twining her their fingers together. I know, but we're family now, right? We definitely are. He pulled her in for a hug, stroking her hair, her hair as he whispered, I love you. I love you, too. She thought about adding dad at the end, but the word stuck to her tongue. I guess we should probably get going. I've already informed Sandor that he's not coming with us. He's not? Only elves are allowed near the wanderlings. Even the counselors leave their bodyguards behind, so he's agreed to entrust you to our care for the next few hours. Well, I can't believe you got him to agree to that. He protested. A lot. But I reminded him of what I can do. The seriousness of his tongue gave Sophie chills. She rarely thought about what being a mesmer really meant for Grady. But total mind control was definitely a powerful thing. And I agreed to carry this, in case I lose my focus, he added quietly, removing a small silver weapon from the inner pocket of his cloak. Sophie felt all the blood drain from her face. Where did you get a meddler? She'd never forget the way Dex had collapsed on the ground, paralyzed and seizing after the kidnappers blasted him with one. Looking at the palm-sized gadget now, it was hard to imagine so much evil coming from a sleek, curved handle connected to a triangle of silver with a single button at the center. She hated seeing it in Grady's hand. Grady shoved it back in her cloak. The council insisted I keep one in, in the house as a last resort. Don't worry, I don't have plan. I have no plans to use it. She hoped not. Then again, no one had ever planned to be attacked. Where's Adeline? she asked, changing the subject before she could relive any more nightmares. Shadows seeped into his features, and he closed his eyes a second longer than a blink. Oh, I'll get her, Sophie offered. 
Grady didn't protest as she moved past him and headed down the curved staircase to the second floor. Even with the sunlight gleaming through the crystal walls, the hallways leading left seemed to be shrouded in gloom. Sophie hurried to the end. There were three narrow doors, doors that were always closed. The center door was slightly ajar. Adeline, Sophie whispered, not wanting to startle her as she tiptoed into the quiet bedroom. Sophie had only been in this room once in all the months she'd lived here, and only by accident, but it looked exactly the same. She suspected it had been exactly the same for the last 16 years, though the room felt dim and dusty, like someone desperately needed to flick on the crystal chandelier or pull back the faded lacy curtains and let in some light. Adeline didn't say a word as Sophie crossed the soft carpet and sat next to her on the edge of the canopied bed. Grady and I are ready whenever you are, Sophie's voice echoed through the silent room. Adeline swallowed as she nodded, then turned to face Sophie. She sucked in a breath when she spotted the brooch. I don't have to wear it if... No, Adeline stopped her from unfastening it. You should wear it. I'm sorry. I am. It just surprised me because it makes you look even more like her. The words were strange, prickly things, and Sophie never knew what to do with them when Adeline said them. She knew Adeline meant them as a compliment, but Sophie couldn't help wishing, wishing that she didn't have to be the shadow of someone else, or worrying that the similarity had anything to do with why they adopted her. She followed Adeline's gaze to the framed photo on the desk across the room. A carefree Grady and Adeline stood with their arms around a slender, blonde girl. Jolly. And when she was about when she was about Sophie's age, Jolly had Grady's light hair and Adeline's bright turquoise eyes. She was striking and graceful and smiling with rosy cheeks and gleaming white teeth. Sophie walked over to the floor-length dressing mirror in the corner try, and tried to see the resemblance. My goodness, you have strange eyes, a high-pitched voice announced. Sophie whipped around. Who's that? Bertina. Adeline gave a sad smile and made her way over to Sophie. I guess you've never seen a spectral mirror before. Sophie turned back to the mirror, gasping when she noticed a tiny face in the upper left side. A girl with shiny black hair, pale skin, and sapphire blue eyes. She looked like she was about 15, and she had that snotty, I'm older and cooler than you, glare that Sophie had seen a lot of back in the human world when she was stuck as a 12-year-old high school senior. What is it? Sophie whispered. It, the tiny girl snapped, her pretty face twisting into a scowl. Who are you calling it? You're the one with the freaky eyes. Hey! Sophie still wasn't totally comfortable being the only elf with brown eyes. But she wasn't about to let some mirror girl insult her. Now, now, Vertina, Adeline said, placing a hand on Sophie's shoulder. That was out of line. Sorry, she didn't, she didn't sound like she meant it, though. Sophie reached up and touched Fertina's face, half expecting it to feel like warm skin. All she felt was smooth, cold glass. Get your smudgy fingers away from me, Fertina huffed, ducking under Sophie's hand. It's bad enough here. I'm I'm up here all alone, all the time, gathering dust like some common piece of furniture. She turned her tiny face away, her glassy eyes staring somewhere between them as she whispered. I miss Jolly. Me too, Adeline said, tears streaming down her cheeks. Sophie pulled Adeline back, and when they were far enough from the glass of their reflections to disappear, Bertina vanished. What was that thing? It took Adeline a second to answer. Spectral mirrors help you get dressed or style your hair. Is it alive? Just a clever bit of programming. 
a novelty that never caught on because people realized they didn't want their mirrors to tell them that they looked tired or out of fashion. Jolly loved hers, though. They became friends. She even used to come back to visit Rutina on her rest weekends from the Elite Towers. Now that they were that close, her voice broke again. Come on, Sophie said, leading her towards the door. Grady's waiting for us. Edeline wiped her eyes, casting one last glance over her shoulder at the now silent mirror before she followed Sophie out into the hall. They climbed the stairs to the fourth floor at a crawl. Come on, Sophie said, leading her towards the door. Grady's waiting for us. Edeline seemed in no hurry to get where they were going, and scaling the stairs was always a challenge for Sophie, especially in the low heels she decided to try. She was 13 now. Seemed like the time to switch for more, to more mature footwear. If only she had the balance to pull them off. She tripped so badly up on the last step that she would have fallen if it weren't for Grady's quick reflexes. Still getting the hang of walking, huh? She, he teased as he caught her with his free arm. His other hand held a red satchel that he handed to Adeline. Hey, I can't be perfect at everything, Sophie retorted with a smile. True enough. Grady held her hand as she climbed onto the platform under the glittering chandelier in the center of the cupola. Five hundred intricately fauceted crystals hung individually from silver cords, forming a sparkling sphere. The Leap Master 500. Adeline fidgeted with a satchel she'd slung over her shoulder, and Grady stared at the ceiling, neither seeming to give to ready to give the command. Sophie cleared her throat. Where exactly are we going? A few seconds passed before Grady whispered, The wandering woods. The Leap Master sprang to life, twisting until a single crystal lowered enough to catch the sunlight streaming through the windows. Nobody moved toward the beam that reflect refracted to the ground. Sophie could imagine them standing like this every year, too sad to step forward. But this year, she was there to help them. Slowly, gently, she pulled them into the light. Chapter 7 Sophie had been in quiet places before, but she'd never experienced anything like the silence of the wandering woods. There was no chirping or tweeting, no branches creaking or rustling. It was like all sound, all life had been sucked out of the scenery, leaving nothing but a thick, almost tangible emptiness. Even the silver pebbles didn't crunch under her feet as she followed Grady and Adeline down a winding path, which seemed to glow as she moved, shining the way to a narrow gateway ahead. A vine with white star-shaped flowers trailed up two gilded columns to an arched golden sign with looping intricate letters that spelled out, Those who wonder are not lost. I've heard that before, Sophie said, mostly to herself. She racked her brain, needing to be sure it was her own memory, not something someone put there. An image of a short poem flashed through her mind, as she and she stopped walking. That's from The Lord of the Rings. Well, not exactly, but it's close. The Lord of the Rings? Adeline repeated. It's a series of human books, and it has elves in it. Elves that had some similarities to what elves really were. Now that she thought about it, are the books older? I think Tolkien wrote them during the 1930s and 40s. That's back before the Human Assistance Program was banned. Grady smiled when her eyebrows shot up. We used to send members of the nobility in disguise to try to teach humans our ways. The treaties had fallen apart, but we still hoped to guide them, bring them out of the darkness and into a new age of light. 
In fact, most of the great human innovations of the last few centuries happened under elven tutelage. Electricity, penicillin, chocolate cake. But too many of our gifts backfired, and a few decades ago, the problem escalated to the point where the council had no choice but to terminate the program and ban all human contact. What does that have to do with the Lord of the Rings? Let's just say there were some who couldn't resist manipulating the legends about elves a, a bit. So, you're saying J.R.R. Tolkien met an elf, and that's where he came up with some of the story? I wouldn't be surprised, though I'm sure he was only told bits and pieces. Do the books talk about the Wanderlings at all? I don't think so. Then he didn't know what the statement meant. Grady motioned for her to follow him. Edeline trailed silently behind as they crossed under the arch and into the woods. These are the wanderlings, Grady whispered. It was unlike any forest Sophie had ever seen. The glowing path wound through a sea of carefully arranged trees, each one surrounded by meticulously groomed shrubs. No two trees were alike. Some were short and broad, others tall and slender. Some had graceful branches that swayed in the silent breeze. Others looked stout and strong. There were leaves in every shape, size, and color. Some had flowers. One even had thorns. And at the base of each tree was a round white stone with a name carved in plain black letters. Grady led Sophie to the nearest tree, which reminded her of a weeping willow. If weeping willows had red leaves and bloomed with thousands of tiny purple flowers. Each wanderling seed is coiled with a single hair from the one who's been lost, he explained. When it sprouts, it absorbs their DNA, taking some of the attributes of their li- of the life they now share, letting the lost live on. Those who wonder are not lost. Syrah had straight auburn hair, Eline whispered, running her hand through the swaying red leaves, and flecks of violet in her eyes. Soft purple petter- petals showered them, and Sophie caught as many as she could, hating that they would wither on the ground. Did you know her? Grady brushed the bits of flower off his cape. Not well. She was Prentice's wife. A petal slipped through Sophie's fingers. Prentice had been a keeper for the Black Swan, back before everyone knew they were working against the real rebels. Now he lived in exile, his mind shattered by the memory break that the council had ordered so they could find out what he was hiding. And the secret he'd refused to tell them was her. Where they hid her, why they'd made her who she was. His wife died not long after his mind was shattered, lost her concentration during a light leap somehow, and faded away before anyone could save her, leaving Wiley, their only son, orphan. Sophie had never met him. He was in the elite levels at, at Foxfire and lived in the secluded elite towers, but she sometimes wondered if he knew she existed and how he felt about her if he did. She looked up, and a ray of sunlight caught her eyes, sinking into her brain and pulsing with that same headache she kept getting. You okay? Grady asked as she rubbed her temples. Sure. She focused on the forest, surprised to realize how many trees there were. There had to be at least a hundred, spread among the meandering hills and carefully manicured bushes. It seemed like a lot, but the wandering woods was the elves' only graveyard because they really have only lost a hundred elves in all the centuries they've been alive. She reached for Grady and Annaline's hands. They held on tight and moved slowly down the path, their glassy eyes staring straight ahead. The path twisted 
twisted through the quiet forest, leaving them, leading them through patches of shadow and light until they rounded a large bend and, and entered a small sunlit clearing. A lump formed on Sophie's throat. Elevated on a small hill and silhouetted against the sky was a fragile-looking tree with pale bark, green leaves, and slender limbs that fanned out toward the sun. Soft yellow leaves draped off the, back, the end of each bough, like Spanish moss, making the tree elegant and wispy. And large blossoms, the exact same blue as Edeline's eyes, blanketed the branches, filling the air with a scent like honey and berries and sugar. The graceful tree blocked the early afternoon sun as they approached. Sophie couldn't take her eyes off the inscription on the white stone marking the grave. Jolly Lucine Runwin. Without a word, Adeline opened the satchel she'd been carrying and removed a clear, fluted bottle filled with deep purple liquid. A special tonic the gnomes make, Grady explained. Adeline popped the cork and drizzled the thick syrup along the base of the tree. When the last of the liquid had drained, she smacked the bottle against the tree's trunk. The glass shattered into a million tiny flecks, sprinkling the wet grass, and as the sparkle-coated syrup sank into the ground, a bright green vine sprang up from the dark soil and slowly coiled its way up in the bark of Jolly's tree. Ruffled purpled flowers bloomed along the stem, and every inch of the vine gleamed like it had been covered in glitter. Grady wiped his eyes as he took Adeline's hand. The vine will only last a few weeks, but it's the best gift we can give her. Plus this, Adeline's voice was barely audible as she gently pulled one of the branches down, revealing a silver charm bracelet tucked between the blossoms. She removed a tiny crystal star from her pocket and added it to the already full chain. We gave her this bracelet when she started Foxfire. We bought her a new charm for every year on the first day of school. She used to wear it every day, but we found it when they gave her when they gave us her things. From the elite towers, so we brought it here and gave it, gave her a new charm every time we come. Sophie bit her lip, wondering if she should say something. But what? I'm so sorry, was all she could come up with. It's not your fault, Granny told her, squeezing her shoulder, but something in his tone had darkened. Adeline started to shake with sobs, and Grady pulled her against him, letting her cry on his shoulder. I'll give you guys a minute, Sophie whispered, backing away. She thought she could help by being there, but nothing would ever make it less painful. And Jolly's loss was theirs. She didn't belong. She slipped quietly down the path, trying to remember which way would take her to the entrance. She'd wound through the trees for several minutes before she realized she didn't recognize any of them. Turning back didn't help. And as she turned around yet again and still didn't recognize anything, she was forced to admit that she was lost. And she was alone. She'd been wishing for solitude since the kidnapping, but standing there by herself in the eerie, eerie silence felt wrong, like the woods were holding their breath, waiting for something to happen. She wasn't about to stick around and find out what it was. Running now and cursing herself for wearing the stupid heels, she raced up the nearest hill, hoping she'd be high enough to get her bearings. But two small trees planted side by side at the crest distracted her saplings. Her blood turned to ice when she read the names carved into the white stone markers. Sophie Elizabeth Foster and Dexter Alvin Disney.